and welcome to another Waste of Time episode of We Only <laughs> Look Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I'm going to stretch this out and waste some time. Uh, oh my I goodness. am a tiny certified, no. You're a tiny, tiny certified <laughs> habits coach. Yeah, for sure. Tiny habits certified coach. Uh, I am Catherine Weigel. This is We Only Look Thin. I have lost about 140 pounds and about 30 seconds of your time. And <laughs> with me today is... Donald Weigel. And I am not wasting your time. I'm here to give you useful use of your time. And I have lost about 100 pounds and uh, kept it off for about four years. How, how many and, times have you done that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Well, this is the this is the only time I've lost that much weight and yeah. kept it off and kept it off. Congratulations! I, I lost uh, over fifty pounds twice uh, and gained it all back a couple yeah. of times before before this current time. I know. Of- I know. We've joked about it before, but if we added it all up together, we would be the people who lost like. 1,000 yeah, pounds. that's right. Like, we it's have like, over 100 years of experience. Oh, uh, yeah, like the thing you're in a room, like, look around this room. Oh, <laughs> I do not like... There's 100 years of experience in this room. No, thank They've, you. The people in this room have lost over 1,000 pounds. Yep, every <laughs> single one painstaking or yeah, full of pain. So, exactly. Um, we spent decades sabotaging ourselves and thinking that we weren't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We... We blamed everything outside of ourselves for what was going on when the biggest culprit in the sabotage on the weight loss journey adventure, journey adventure, if you will, was us. Yep. And uh, I was actually on a call with BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits. Name dropper. I I was on a call with him the other day talking about uh, self-sabotage sort of and why people do it. And uh, I raised my hand because I'm... Basically, the Hermione Granger of oh Tiny Habits. Oh, my goodness. I married the teacher's pet. Like, holy no, cow. No, I'm just, uh, I'm a know-it-all. So there we go. I got, I always have something that's to say. That's better in some way? I call you teacher's pet. And you're like, no, no, I'm just a know-it-all. Like, that's better. Well, my other reference was going to be uh, Arnold Horshack from, uh, oh, yeah. from, uh, I was going to say Dukes well, of Hazard. Yeah, yeah, from Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, oh, Mr. Carter. Yeah. Uh, but... I have a lot of experience with sabotage, so I knew what to say. So my uh, insight, as it were, was that when we give up responsibility for things, we have proof that we're not able to change. See, I'm too old. It's perimenopause. It's my job. It's external factors. And when we do that, it gives us permission to just keep repeating the same habits over and over again. And I did that for 20 plus years. I did not know you were going to say that. And it is so insightful. Oh, see? (laughs) I feel like like I'm being attacked for how I, uh, I did that for years and years and years and just like one that proof that there was nothing I could do. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, it doesn't play well on podcasts because it's a visual, but I kind of make that, like when Lucille Ball would get caught on I Love Lucy doing something that yeah. she knew was bad and she would kind of make that like, <laughs> I There are many times when I'm listening to a health professional podcast and I get called out on something and I am I sort of make this like, no, yeah, the we'll real call monster it, we'll is call me. call it cringe face, yes. The monsters are always you, uh, yeah. always people. Yeah, but but uh, we are turning to another professional that we have spoken about before on this episode. Yes, uh, Dr. Alice, and I don't know how to say her last name properly, Boyes or Boyce, uh, B-O-Y-E-S, uh, Ph.D. Uh, she's written a few books about uh, behavioral change, and um, she wrote an article called 30 Types of Self-Sabotage and 
what to do about it. And I will link to the article in the show notes. And we um, we did a couple of episodes already about self-sabotage based on this article, using this article as the framework. And, um, you know, there are 30 types of self-sabotage in the article. I think we got through eight or nine or 10 of them before, and we're going to do a few more today. We sure are. We're going to focus on the category of hidden drains to your time and energy. And you might be saying to yourself, there are no drains to my time and energy that I'm self-sabotaging uh, for myself over, but you missed the word hidden in there. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> where they get you, those hidden fees. If they were obvious, you might not do them. Um, so as we go through this, uh, Dr. Boyce recommends that you rate yourself uh, from on a scale of one to seven. Now, I don't know why it's not a scale of one to five or a scale of one to ten, but I don't have a PhD. Yeah. So apparently when you have a PhD, you learn the reason why it should be a scale of one to seven. But um, a one is that this is not a problem for you. And a seven is, holy cow, this is a huge problem. You're describing me exactly. And um, why uh, are you reading my diaries and looking at my life, observing me? Yeah, exactly. So in her article, she doesn't specifically specify the specificity. <laughs> no, specify the specificity. <laughs> Yeah, Which is also still not a word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not specifically about weight management, uh, just sort of lifestyle. But as we have said before, all things lead to emotional eating and yeah. secret eating all and revenge eating. And I am overwhelmed and underpaid and overworked. And so I will eat about it. So again, some of the references we're going to go through and read what she wrote. Dishes that are served for revenge eating are best served cold or warm or yeah. hot. I would eat all of them, yeah, it exactly. turns out. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to read through her uh, descriptions of the hidden self-sabotage things, and then we are going to read them again. We're going to rate ourselves, and we're going to talk about how that relates to weight loss. So here we go. Here we go. All right. I'll do the first one, then uh, then Catherine can do the second one, and so on. Um, so hidden drains on your time and energy. One, you waste a lot of time and emotional energy reinventing the wheel, such as writing a new packing list each time you take a trip or continually resetting passwords you forget rather than taking the time to set up a password manager. Uh, I'm not going to be on this podcast anymore. I have, <laughs> I have stuff to do. Okay. The next one is you need better routines that work for you. For example, you grocery shop every second day because you're always running out of basics. How dare you? How okay. dare you next, indeed. Next. The third one is other people in your life defer all decision making to you rather than taking up some of that burden. You allow this pattern rather than empowering them to make decisions. I'm oh, the boss boy. of all the things. Yeah, And exactly. then the last one is in situations in which you choose, you can choose to be happy or miserable, you choose miserable. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all of these things uh, between one and seven. So I feel a little attacked on some of these, but uh, we're going to go through them and then relate them to uh, to weight loss. So, uh, Donald, do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start. Okay. So, again, you waste a lot of time and emotional energy reinventing the wheel, such as writing a new packing list each time, resetting passwords, etc. So... This is a big issue. I uh, I don't know. I, th I think right now I'd probably give myself a five. 
probably on this really? still. Yeah. Wow, even right now. On life stuff? Um oh well, okay. On on weight loss and fitness stuff, um, I'm I'm probably somewhere around a, a two or three yeah, on this. I think you know, so too. But I think I yes, you're right. On other life things, I still have this issue. Um and sure, I could give myself like a five or even a six in some some parts of my life. Okay. So here is how it relates to weight loss journeys. And this is something that I still see. Again, you waste a lot of time and emotional energy reinventing the wheel. That wheel could be deciding which plan you're going to follow. Yeah. What tracker you need, switching tactics. Oh, this week I'm going to I'm going to go for this many calories, but maybe that's not working, so now I'm going to do this or maybe I should focus on weight training or maybe it should be calories or this person's doing that, so maybe I should follow them. You just keep switching lanes so you don't actually make any progress. Yeah, we constantly as people um confuse motion for action and it feels like we're doing something when we're researching a new plan or when we're looking for the recipes or when we're surveying people about the best way to do something instead of just actually figuring out an action plan and taking some steps like try something like get something in motion yeah it took me and going back to like the actual packing list I worked for my company for 20 years before I actually came up with a travel packing list. Yeah. And I, it was life changing when I actually was like, oh, gee, all of my itineraries and the directions to the client offices that I used on MapQuest. And here's and- <laughs> a pro tip marry somebody who creates a packing list. And then steal that packing list, which is what I did. So now I also have a packing list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just back to the actual you know, like packing list aside is what are you going to pack for food? There we we turned it over. Yeah. So not coming up with systems for your food choices. Donald and I have like two or three breakfasts that we choose from a couple of lunches, some go-to meals when we're in a rush. We have simplified the process by not opening up the entire world of food choices to ourselves, which overcomplicates it. When we overcomplicate it, we get distracted. We think it's too hard when really we're just making it hard on ourselves. Yeah, I have tried to set up my, my plan to put myself on autopilot as much as possible to eliminate a lot of that like searching for the next best thing or having to decide every time i i've tried things i found things that worked and i go back to them over and over again like if there's food that i really enjoy a particular thing that is easy that i find myself wanting to eat that is within my calorie goal i go back to that thing over and over again. So I'm not constantly having to be like, well, what recipe should I make today? Like, what food should I eat right now? Like, I, I, you know, find the things that work for me and I stick to them. Well, and also we've talked about this before, about having certain policies around certain foods. I have a policy about fast food. If I go, I get a happy meal. There's no, gosh, what am I going to get? What do I deserve? What do I not deserve? I just stick to getting a happy meal. Again, having go-to quick meals meals for days that you're low on energy, where I can get takeout from a certain place, or I've got frozen meals in the freezer that don't take a lot of effort, that makes my life easier because I don't have that decision fatigue. Well, and also like go to quick exercises too, you know, things that you know that you're, you're going to be able to fit into your day and things that you know you're going to be able to do because you don't hate doing them. Like for me, that's primarily taking advantage of all of the movement I get through 
throughout the day, all of the walking, the going upstairs, all of that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the NEAT that we've talked about before, which is all of the calories that you burn throughout your day rather than just dealing with hard exercise, which I, I kind of still at this point, I shouldn't even say kind of, like I basically hate doing, like I hate going to a gym and doing, you know, that, that specific like cardio machine exercise. I much prefer to burn my calories throughout the day as I'm just moving around. Right. But also, you know, in terms of knowing yourself, because we're not gym folk, but other people are, is I used to go like, well, maybe I'll go to the gym in the morning. Oh, that didn't, maybe I'll do it at lunch. Yeah. Maybe I'll go after work and just not having a, I'm the kind of person who gets my workout done first thing in the morning. I know for me, every single time I say, I'll do yoga later in the day. It's just this mirage that never ends up happening. And I know myself well enough to say, before we take, before I take our daughter to school, I'll do five minutes of yoga. And that's usually at about 7 a.m. And having that just in my schedule, I'm a person who does yoga at 7 a.m., takes away that decision fatigue or that like pushing it down the road, like, oh, I'll figure it out later. It's much easier for me to just have these certain like points throughout the day where I know certain things are going to happen. Before I eat lunch, I'll get a thousand steps on the rebounder. After lunch, I'll go for a five-minute walk. Having those punctuation marks really helps take away that decision fatigue of should I, shouldn't I. Yeah, absolutely. So again, if you find yourself constantly wondering where to start, what to do, looking at other people and what they're doing, should I do this, should I not, that is just a form of procrastination because you're not actually taking action, making plans. And actually, and we've said this before too, we can try something, like we try to do things for maybe a month and see how we do on it. Is the scale moving? Like, is the routine in place? And then we make adjustments from there. We don't every other day go, well, okay, now I'm doing keto and now I'm doing low carb and now I'm, you know, doing Weight Watchers. Now I'm doing calorie counting. I did that for decades. And all it did was end up having me gain weight. Yeah. And the flip side of that, though, is that I think part of the reason that we do this as people is that we're afraid of, you know, being stuck with a choice that we hate. And You don't have to stick with something that you end up hating or that you end up not working for you. But, you know, waiting around trying to reinvent the process every single time you embark upon it is is not going to ever get you anywhere. You, You know, pick something, try it out, see how it goes then you can switch if it's really not working for you. Right. I mean, we did a whole series on failure is feedback. If something doesn't work, we can use that information to better inform our next choices. You know, but if in the morning we're paleo, but then in the evening we're intuitive eating, and then the next day we're doing Weight Watcher points, we're not building any structure for ourselves. So give yourself some time to invest in a particular pattern, really analyze and prioritize, because we did it. And it worked out super awesome for us. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Okay, so the next one, you need better routines that work for you. For example, you go to the grocery store every second day because you're always running out of basic items. And this could, for in terms of weight loss and fitness, could actually literally be you go to the grocery store (laughs) every second day because you always run out of items. Well, we don't have a super duper huge refrigerator and uh, we don't have a lot of room for produce. So I do go. I I, Like I said, I fancy myself a a European continental who goes to the marché every morning to find new things to eat. But we waste a lot of time. And then we think, 
I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to do whatever. Right. And that's because we're spending a lot of time doing things over and over again that aren't necessary. And I am constantly trying to come up with ways to plan ahead. And this takes some effort and some work, but plan ahead and actually come up with plans. Like say to yourself, well, okay, in an ideal world, I would have, you know, fresh meals, you know, every day this week. But realistically, I may not have time for that. I may get stuck at work somewhere. Things may come up and I need to have a backup plan. So I need to have something like frozen on hand that I can yeah. throw in the microwave quickly that works for me. I need to have prepackaged snacks on hand that I don't have to spend any time prepping in case I, you know, things come up. Things that are shelf stable that prevent me from having to go to the grocery store. And I'm just using that as one example, but it could apply to a lot of things. But mostly we're talking about, you know, your eating plan and your exercise plan. I think, too, I know a lot of people who put a negative connotation on the word routine. Like, I'm a free spirit man. Like, I like doing my own thing and taking myself where my body takes me or whatever. But Routines give us a freedom to actually put energy into things that are creative and yeah. exciting and not like, well, you know, I don't know what I want to eat every day, man. I just want to eat something new and different. It takes a lot of energy, energy we could be putting into getting in more consistent workouts, spending more time investing in, you know, outdoor or, you know, extracurricular activities. When we, this get, gets back to reinventing the wheel every day, my whims took me 150 pounds more than I weigh right now because I thought routines were like, you know, being subjugated by the man or right. whatever. And it just like, oh no, there is a lot of decision fatigue again that is taken away from just going, we set our alarms for 4.30 in the morning on weekdays. We get up, I have coffee, we rebound. I then do my arm workout. Donald does his strength training. I do a little bit of yoga. Like, and it gives us a freedom of just knowing what to expect. So we're not like, well, should we work out today? Should we not? It's just a pattern that we have. And then it gets it out of the way and it's done. And it's, it's actually very freeing because then I can let the rest of the day unfold without worrying if I'm going to get in my steps. Yeah. And, you know, as Catherine just mentioned, it's it's about creating rules for yourself. You know, you may say to yourself, there's no way I could get up at 4.30 a.m. And maybe like maybe you can't. But, you know, I thought that, too, at a certain point. But now, you know, I say to myself, well, how could I get up at 4.30? Oh, I know that is if I start to go to bed at nine o'clock at night. And make sure I have lights out by 9.30, then I can get enough sleep to make that a reality to then fit in that morning exercise into my life. And so it's really about coming up with that routine, as is implied in the question, that actually will make these goals work for you. If you're constantly like, well, I'm just going to go to bed when I feel like it, and then you're like, oh my goodness, it's 11.30, well, there's no way I have time to get up early. Yeah. If you don't set that routine in place, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and I think this episode is not about time management per se. Like, I think we actually might do an episode on optimizing time, but this is just sort of a general structure of, you know, when we're overwhelmed, when we plan last minute, when we don't have structures in place, they lead us to eat emotionally 
and impulsively because, oh gosh, I'm so scattered. I don't even have time to think about what I'm going to eat. And that leads to just grazing and eating, like fast food eating unexpectedly because we're not looking ahead. So that, you know, like I said, time management may be another issue, but all of this just comes down to us then eating as revenge for being overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, Why don't you read the next one? Okay. So the next one is other people in your life defer all decision-making to you rather than taking up some of that burden. You allow this pattern rather than empowering them to make decisions. So this is a big one for me. I think Donald and our daughter live in fear of my judgment quite often. <laughs> <laughs> like, mom is the boss. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Yes, yes. But here's it. Donald's blinking uh, Morse code help me, yeah. help me from this, uh, this woman. Exactly. You can't hear my blinking on the podcast, but it's in there. It's in there. But that whole, like, I'll do it is a boundary problem. I'll do it. I do everything. It's not going to be done the right way unless I do it. And we get into these patterns, especially in long-term relationships or work of fine, I'll just take care of it. When we don't mean fine, I'll take care of it. We're just building up like resentment and we feel like victims when really we're not letting other people in to support us. Yeah, absolutely. And Look, I think there's even a a flip side to this, which is that you're letting somebody else do all of the decision making so that you're not having any agency in your own life. Like you're allowing another person's choice of what you're eating and how you're spending your time to to drain all of your time and energy. Nice one. Well, I, I think this follows too in the following someone else's weight loss plan to the T, like a plan that's follow this 30-day eating pattern, do these exact things. We have adapted, and we've talked about this before, (laughs) we really are a holistic- It's not a secret. It's not a secret. Please listen to the other episodes. But we take parts of our plan from many different health and fitness plans, and we've created a, you know, a, a, you know, a patchwork that works for us. Yeah. You remember like Donnie and Marie Osmond where like one of them was a little bit country, another was a little bit rock and roll. roll. Like, like I'm a little bit Weight Watchers. I'm a little bit like intermittent fasting. Like I'm a little bit like a whole bunch of other things, you know, all rolled up into one. And I've, taken that plan and made it work for me rather than trying to adhere and, you know, be compliant to somebody else's 100%. Like if you don't do this, you're garbage, you know, plan. Well, and two, I think part of that is the whole, that plan didn't work. So obviously I'm not meant to lose weight. Yeah. Instead of going, how can I make this work for me? I think the key term in this is empowering. We can empower others to take accountability for things and we can empower ourselves to let go of the way we want to do things because it's the whole like, you know, oh, well, you know, I, my husband filled the dishwasher, but he did it wrong. So I spent an hour redoing it. Like <laughs> right, he's an idiot, right. which I hate that whole vibe. Do you want the job done? Or is it more important that someone does something exactly the way you do it? And I know I spent a lot of time sort of being super fastidious about the way I wanted to do things. So I would just do it all myself and then feel angry that people weren't complying to my way of doing things. It feels a lot better to just let our daughter do chores around the house and have it done at 80% the way I would have done it instead of just taking it on all myself, then being resentful and overwhelmed and then eating and drinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't think we said, um, I think with 
with weight loss and fitness. I, I think I'm like really good on this one at this point in my life. I mean, six years ago, me, I don't think was, was very good on it, but I, I'm probably like a one or a two right now, but there are definitely other aspects of my life at work where, uh, this is a real problem for me, you know, something like a five or a six. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I think on this too, like the decision-making, we often feel like we have to just go with the flow of like, well, my family wants to eat at this restaurant, so I don't have any choices. We can still make healthy choices within other people's requests too. That's a, there's a lot to unpack on this, but generally what grade would you give yourself on this? How could you take a little bit back? We've done episodes on boundaries, so you might want to go back and listen to one of those. But uh, but yeah, this I feel like I'm a lot better about owning my choices now and not just feeling resentment for feeling like I had to take everything on. So I'm going to give myself a pretty good grade on this. All right. Well, good for you. Nicely. Um, all right. So the last one uh, for this particular episode on self-sabotage in situations in which you can choose to be happy or choose to be miserable, you choose to be miserable. Hmm. And uh, this, you know, this can be a real tough one for me in a lot of situations. Um, I I think with with weight loss and fitness, again, I think at this point, stage, I'm in pretty good shape on it, you know, something like a one or a two, but there are many situations in my life where I just decide for whatever reason to cross my arms and be grumpy. And I I try really hard not to do that anymore because I recognize when I'm doing it, but it can be a real burden on my energy, especially if not my time. Well, especially because then it just makes us want to eat. Like that's where it all kind of comes down is like using our emotions to, and, and you've talked about this before too, of like choosing to be angry about something at work and wanting to be angry about it because then it gives you permission to go and eat about it. Yeah, and and I would lie to myself about that over and over and over again. Well, you know, such and such was, you know, put me in a situation that I hated, so I need to eat something because I deserve it because I'm so upset right now. Yeah, and I know for me, and, and I mean, in all transparency and honesty, I used to think happy people just didn't know how bad life was. Right. And they didn't have the same emotional ties and burdens that I did. And that people with growth mindsets were shallow because like, if you really knew how bad it was, then you'd be miserable too. And I just thought that that's not how I was built. But it turns out that self-talk, the way I describe my life, the way, you know, I use adjectives in describing my position really does matter. Uh, something came up in Walt Place the other day, and I, I've talked about it before, about, you know, someone using super, you know, destructive language about a situation that they had of like, I'm a trash panda. It's a dumpster fire. It's a disaster. Right. And when we really pull back and get rid of the inflammatory page six, like, you know, shocking revelations about the crown and like, <laughs> you know, whatever. When we use this, my day was absolutely just, you know, I'm disgusted. It was terrible. Yeah. And it's like, well, I ate like a thousand calories over my goal. And the difference between the me of now of like, oh, no, I ate 400 calories over my target versus five years ago where, you know, I would eat 
2000 calories of wine and hummus like that there's a big difference between that but when we let go of that inflammatory language it gives us the opportunity to go okay what would i change about that how could i reframe this how could i set better boundaries and assert my needs it gives us a lot more power to make progress instead of just focusing on like the the past letdowns that we've had yeah that is this is one of the situations where you know it's proof how awesome you are because that is not at all how I was thinking of it. And those are all like fantastic points. Like for me, I was sort of approaching this in terms of the weight loss and fitness with, I spent years and years just saying to myself, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Like I, I was in a sense choosing to be miserable rather than actually taking agency and action in my life and and making things happen. I don't think that was the intent of yeah. of you know Dr. Boyce's uh question here, but you know, for me it was just a matter of well, I was looking for excuses to just do nothing all the time, you know, because if if the plan just doesn't work, if it's my metabolism, if I'm just too busy, if people are just too mean to me at work, then I don't have to do anything and I don't have to put forward any effort. And I was choosing to be miserable, i.e., you know, choosing not to actually take any uh, agency in my health and fitness rather than doing something about it. Well, and I think too, you know, growing up with a little bit of a volatile childhood, I had a lot of fears about what I was capable of doing or financial fears or like, okay, either I have a job or we're going to live in a van down by the river. Yeah, And there was no step between. It was just, it was very like black or white, like all or nothing. And I think it, you know, it had me living in fear a lot of the time because it was just either you're okay or you're going to live in a van and being able to see the spectrum of like, okay, what other options do we have? How capable am I? What skill sets do I have? What do I know to be true versus what am I catastrophizing? Like it feels a lot better to think about solutions. And we've talked about this before too, recently on the swarm of behavior episodes Yeah, about like, okay, what, are my actual problems right now? What solutions could I phase in that would help me? How can I take tiny habits and small steps to change my perspective on things? We don't even have to go from like, again, I sort of saw it as either you're you're miserable and you're well-informed or you're happy and you're shallow. And there's a spectrum between like good and bad of like, how can I make this neutral? Like, how can I make this not be the end of the world? What do I know to be true? How can I empower myself? So that's a kind of a big, like it, it at, initially when I read this, I was like, ooh, I don't know if we should even talk about it. But really those small shifts in mindset yeah. do impact everyone around us too because the more negative i am the more it's going to impact the people around me if i'm walking around like eeyore and the like the world is going to end right it really impacts my relationships and my ability to see hope for the future and empower myself well and and you know adapting a growth mindset and achieving my health and fitness goal has and maintaining it for as long as i have has spilled over into other aspects of my life and and i now really believe that if i apply the right system you know i can achieve whatever sort of goal that i'm trying to achieve yeah and now please understand that i still have a lot of growing to do oh yeah i have too. a ton of fears i have i mean you, and know. you have way more growing than i do <laughs> even <laughs> um but, you know, I still have insecurities and I'm not saying that like, oh, anything's possible, man, just do it. 
But I'm like, okay, what small steps can I make in the right direction? And it's scary. It's scary to take responsibility for your life at any age. You don't suddenly become an adult. You become, you know, the person you're going to be by doing the things that person does. So we still have work to do, but recognizing that we don't have to do it all at once matters and knowing that we can make small changes toward the kind of person we want to become helps. And believe me, I still turn, you know, white with rage. I don't know. What color do you turn when you're green, red? All of them. Yeah. All of them. It's like a rainbow of rage, the rage rainbow. (laughs) Raging rainbow. (laughs) Um, I still, you know, and Donald and I have different things that we get angry about. So it's interesting to see, like, like I'm never going to be like, man, just chill, man. It's not a big deal because I have things that set me off that don't set him off and vice versa. So we see them as works in progress, but at least we're aware of them and we don't, you know, know that we're victim to them. We, we know that we can make uh, small changes. So absolutely. Okay. So, you know, we're not going to solve all of these problems in a in one podcast episode, but um, wanted to go over uh, at least briefly what Doctor Boya suggests as as the sort of uh, you know she doesn't she doesn't say tiny habits, but I'm saying the sort of tiny habits steps to move forward. And uh, the first thing is to consider addressing any of these habits that you've rated five or above. If they're really you know a serious habit, start there. Um, And then once you see your patterns, make specific behavioral plans of what you'll start doing instead. Yeah. So we did the episodes on the swarm of behaviors, one troubleshooting behaviors that you uh, want to get rid of, and then doing another swarm of behaviors on behaviors you want to add. So you can go back and listen to those episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next step is to any behavior change plan you come up with needs a contextual trigger. And BJ Fogg refers to this as a prompt. So when you're trying to change a behavior, it's got to be, you know, a prompt. Like, for example, not weight loss and fitness related, but I am trying to moisturize my hands more because <laughs> I have trouble with dry hands. So I have you know, set the obvious prompt of any time I wash my hands, I follow that up by using hand moisturizer. So things like that. So it it could just be like, okay, in the morning, you know, right after you make your coffee, then you're going to do five push-ups or something like that. Like something that you know you're going to do every day, you, you prompt yourself to do this other behavior right afterwards. Yeah. And then lastly, Aim to improve your habits in small amounts. Uh, Dr. Boyes says, you know, you know, 10%, 20%, or even just 1%, rather than trying to eliminate all of this self-sabotage from your life right away. So, you know, it's that kind of perfectionism that leads to giving up entirely. Right. And on the uh, episodes where we did the swarm of behaviors, we talked about really seeing all the different ways something impacts your life. And deciding on one or two areas that you can get yourself to change because doing that whole clean slate, I'm a new person, I'm never going to do it again, is really tough to manage. But doing that incremental and even looking at like, well, how do I know if it's 2%? How do I know if it's 5%? Just going like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm reacting differently in this small way. You know, hey, I've set a policy around eating fast food. I've set a policy about only getting Starbucks once a week. Just making small changes like that can make you feel successful. And then after that, go on to the next thing and the next thing. And then you're improving incrementally, which matters. Absolutely. And I think part of the reason that I wanted to do this in the first place was 
you know, recognizing behaviors that I was engaging in and realizing I was doing it was really one of the big keys to unlocking yeah. my ability I'm, to hit my weight loss and fitness goal. I'm doing everything right. It's the world that's against me. Yeah, and, and it was all of that lying to myself, all of that self-sabotage that I was doing. Like once I realized I was doing it, it was harder for me to continue to do it once yeah. I once I put the real name on it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much. I think that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, we are grateful to every one of you for listening. Uh, if you'd like this episode, we have many, many more available wherever you found this one and also on our website at any time at weonlylookthin.com. Yep, and if you are at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on the link for join our support group. Walt Place, We Only Look Thin Place, is an, a support and accountability group based on Facebook for women. It is not a weight loss plan, but it is a place for support and accountability and honesty. A lot of times on the internet, maybe you can't say everything you want to say in public, but yeah. uh, in the group, we uh, are just a, a trusted small group of women supporting one another, and I'm super proud of it. So we have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three three-day complimentary trial and a seven-day complimentary trial for a three-month subscription. So uh, check it out and see if Walt Place is right for you. Yes, please do. And if you'd like to interact with us in other ways, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at We Only Look Thin. And you can also email us to weonlylookthin at gmail.com. It may take us some time to get back to you with the email, but eventually uh, we, we do. And uh, we uh, plan to do some more uh, mailbag episodes, I think, coming up soon, uh, answering listener questions uh, live on tape on uh, a podcast. <laughs> it's not even really tape. It's all digital, but you know what I mean. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Episode ideas, questions that you have, all of it uh, makes us happy. Uh, we only look thin at gmail.com. Yep. And if you are liking what you are hearing, you can head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Not only does it make us feel good when we know we are making a difference in your lives, but it also helps boost our visibility when people are looking for inspirational podcasts like ours. Absolutely. Um, and uh, if you uh, don't want to do any of those things, you can just tell somebody about the show. If you've got somebody in your life who in, uh, you think might enjoy our brand of uh, helpful advice, inspiration, and shenanigans, please let them know about the show. It's one of the best ways to help it grow. Yep. So if you still can't decide whether you're choosing to be happy or choosing to be miserable about listening to this episode, <laughs> just remember that Donald and I are an, an inspiration. inspiration. Choose to be happy. Asian, 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 Asian. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program. <laughs>